0: The Youthscape Podcast, a podcast for Christians who work with young people.
1: Well, hi everybody and welcome to another episode of the Youthscape Podcast. Into God knows what! With me, ravishing Rachel Gardner, and my co-horse, our matriarch Martin Saunders.
0: And there's so much to unpack. But there. it's an
1: M. It works. It just works. Go with it. Just wow. go with it.
0: <laughs> ravishing Rachel Gardner, though.
1: Yeah, I, that came into my mind very quickly. That says a lot about my ego,
0: doesn't it? <laughs> uh, a little. Um, look, I've got a bit of a dilemma. Ooh. Yeah, I've got to talk to you about something. Oh, bring it! It's quite, quite it. difficult. Oh gosh, so this a, is. I had a, a message from my good friend Lauren Windle. Oh, Lauren! Uh, who we love, lovely uh, Lauren, who um, does a bit of does a bit of TV and all sorts of things. And she asked me. It was one of those weird messages with no context that said, "Have you ever done stand-up?" <gasps> oh. Yeah. And I said no, and she said, "Would you be interested in doing five minutes at a Christian stand-up night
1: to like warm up for her act?"
0: I think probably she's doing a series of. She's got lots of people. It's a bit open micy. Fantastic. Well, no, well not what so fast what could go wrong what could go wrong so i just thought i would because i'm because i'm a massive external processor i actually like to process my my thoughts and problems Bring on a podcast this to here. so um so yeah so she yes. said do you want to yes want to do it what do i yes. what do you think you say yes but i don't want to do it oh well then don't do it but no, you do want to do it surely you do want to do it i tell you what i'm worried about I'm not worried. being funny, yeah, that's it. and I'm worried about dying on stage, you know that oh. thing of dying on stage and that the thought that I would come up with something that was like my best stuff mm. just and be met by a room of silence now in a Christian uh, yeah. so it's going to be a pity laugh or two. Well, isn't I'm it?
1: going to interrogate this. Like, what does it mean that it's a Christian thing? I don't
0: really know. Because I, I
1: think you're, you have got so much fuel and fodder. If, we, if you, if you got people there that kind of get the weirdness of the Christian oh, world, I
0: went Christian.
1: I think you could, you could be quite but funny.
0: I've, I've often thought about doing stand-up. People listening to this guy, you really shouldn't. Then you should. And, but I've thought about doing stand-up, and and then I worry that as a man now entering middle age. The things that I'm concerned about and would talk about <laughs> are just too irrelevant. Oh, I see. So I just can't. When your I think, dog, when I think wife. what would I write a bit about? Yeah. I, it's, I can't think beyond like the bins. You know? Bins are very funny. The bins are a massive deal for me. But well, I like that's the biggest anxiety in my life. But
1: bins are a big deal. There'd be some people listening for whom that is like that is the nugget in their life. They're like yeah. highly successful. They get their kids to school, whatever it might be. But they're flipping bins like bins. that's why they're unraveling. Yeah. You know, so it, there's a real comedy there. So,
0: but I <laughs> but I can't. Th- I'm worried that I can't think beyond the bins, and I and I and it doesn't even as I say it aloud feel that funny. <laughs> So on that basis, Lauren, I think I'm out.
1: I think if people knew that you're gonna do five minutes possibly on the bins, I think it would be flooded with people sitting there
0: saying, I just wanna watch saunas. I just want saunas on the bins. Five
1: minutes on the bins.
0: Oh, I could what do five gift. minutes on the bins. I could do five minutes on the bins now. I think it's on my head. But, <laughs> what is it about
1: the bins? But, but I won't.
0: Well it's the people whole, put the wrong thing in the, the bins. It's the anxiety. No, well, I don't really care about that. Yeah. It's the anxiety of bin of bin day. If you miss bin day, it's the worst thing in the world. If you it realize is. That, is. that that waking up in a cold sweat at 7am, <laughs> re- you, you hear it come down the road and then you've got to have the conversation with the bin man and the bin man has all power in that situation. Mm. I've actually developed a bit of a rapport with, with bin men locally mm. and more nationally. When I was on holiday, we had a bin anxiety moment and I ran out. I ran out in my socks and underpants <laughs> to get to the to genuinely in my underpants Sweating. into the middle of at like <laughs> six in the morning into the street in Devon because I realised I I there were like three different bins at this holiday home that I was out. I'd filled oh, the wrong one, oh and no. he 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 looked to the blue bin that was the right one, and it was empty, and he just was like, "Oh, I'll go then," oh, and I'm like, not realising that I'd filled no. the green bin. You no one to
1: understand to the brim.
0: <laughs> so I ran it as Devon. It oh, tight. I was in. So I ran out.
1: There wasn't a, a language barrier. You weren't <laughs> running down the road saying, nah, me not comprende.
0: No, no, I wasn't speaking loudly and slowly. <laughs> I ran out and I met the bin man, and then the bin man spoke joy into my life because oh. we had a little conversation. Right, it turned man. out, yeah, he, he was very helpful. Right, he was very accommodating, which I wasn't expecting. No, and he he very, about pity, pure. Well, he it was, but then we began we we struck up a conversation because I thought, oh, get this bin man on side because he's he's going to have to let me now in my underpants as cars <laughs> are driving past, unload the wrong bin uh, into the right bin so oh. that he can take it. And we had a conversation. Two things happened. First of all, found out that we lived. Quite local is. It, it, I, we live to where uh, locals where he grew up. I mean, this is gold. Can you say? Yeah, it's real gold. He uh, he he was from my local area. Then he then he said then he said that he guessed that I was thirty five years old. <gasps> yeah.
1: Wow. What a treat. Did you extend your holiday for an extra week so you could just see See the bin men
0: again? again. We became such firm friends that he said, you know, mate, why don't you just unload the bin directly into the back of the. So I got to actually live (sighs) the dream and throw the bin bags into the bin thing. Crusher.
1: Isn't that amazing? That is, I have got a bin story. So I, I, I do know that feeling. And But my shoes by the door are always ridiculous high heels. So I do have a story of like literally hair in town, dressing gown. And we have two bins because we're a massive vicarage. And some, somehow back in the in the day, we stole a second bin, I think it was. So we have two bins, which is very greedy, isn't it? Yeah. But I was running up with one yeah. and then saying, can you just hold it and go back and get the other one? So yeah, oh, really? I'm
0: with you on that. You do have to befriend the bin team. Yeah, and- what this is telling me is there's definitely not five minutes of stand-up material here i know i think it's great no way
1: (laughs) i think it's a deep hole (laughs) sure sure. i think it's great Uh, no i'm it.
0: work but i'm not doing the stand-up thing but what i'm worried about is that is our way into quite a serious topic but it is about
1: but it is humor though isn't it because i think i think i would be nervous doing stand-up because i think like you say i'm not sure what is funny Ah. and what is funny, funny and what is funny at the expense of other people. And and, and you watch, I mean, you watch the TV shows that I watched as a kid. And I think I was with my daughter at 11 and we watched a little bit of something. I can't remember what it was now. And she just looked at me with horror. And I was like, yeah, you're right. That, that just, that, that doesn't me. So I've
0: had that experience watching friends with yes. My kids yes. because they're like, I can't believe there are jokes about that. Yes. I cannot believe you have that joke in there. Mm. Particularly jokes about ge- around gender, gender and sexuality. Yeah, absolutely. Like, there are jokes in there that were fine, as it were, in the 90s mm. and that we never noticed. But kids now are like your joke. Yes, you can't you can't possibly have that?
1: Yeah, Or the racism in Forty Towns. But that's going back eons, isn't it? But it is. It, it leaves you so uncomfortable, yeah. doesn't it? But then there are things that are current that play that play very loose and fast, and play very close at so say At the moment, this is Takeshi's Castle. Yeah. Like I like it's so funny, but it's so uncomfortable because it's edgy because you're like the the, the commentary these two British comedians do and they are so funny but it is actually there's a cultural thing here that they're kind of mocking and it feels light and it feels in good faith and gentle and it is very funny but there is subtext going on here which is why we find this funny because actually there are things they're pulling out in this particular cultural group that wow what do we do with that what do we do with that
0: that is a really Interesting segue into today's topic because I think young people r- really are quite fearful of saying the wrong thing yeah now. absolutely saying the wrong thing and getting cancelled is yeah. a is like a presenting fear for teenagers and uh, and that is a nice interesting route into today's subject we're going to be talking about a very complicated word that we're going to unpack which is intersectionality. Mm. Which is not a word I was comfortable with until quite recently when it was explained to me. I'm going to read you the dictionary definition, um, which is the complex cumulative way in which the effects of multiple forms of discrimination, such as racism, sexism, and classism, combine, overlap, or intersect, especially in the experiences of marginalized individuals or groups. Another way of putting this, there are lots of justice issues, mm. and sometimes they overlap themselves each other um, in quite profound ways, where you're not quite sure uh, what wh- which one yeah. is more important or how different people are impacted by different. Uh, forms of justice and yes. justice issues, so it's about the complexity of a world that is trying not to be woke. Let's not use that word, no, no, but that is trying to do better mm. in all of these areas where there's been such discrimination. It's the complexity of all these things crashing into each other.
1: Yeah, and it's being willing to ask questions, isn't it, and to look a bit more closely and to not make assumptions based on our own experiences or assumptions of what we think people might be experiencing or how they might be. And that, and that is I think where it gets very tricky because you you want the to hear the experiences of people but they're not assume that everybody would have the same experience yes. so this is a slightly crass example but for example the estate that our church is working on um 80 percent of the families in our estate are in the top 10 families in terms of the, all the poverty indicators yeah. but within that group we they are majority white working class families within that group if you are a, a a a refugee family or an immigrant family or a non-white family your levels of poverty will be even more defined yeah. because actually the white community has learned over years to, to support each other, to be creative with resources. Yeah. And so if you are a new family that's moved onto the estate and you don't come from the same backgrounds, you are quite isolated. Yeah. So it's an interesting way of thinking we have mass poverty here, but we also have some people who, because of these other intersecting injustices, will experience that in an even more acute way. Yeah. So what does access, access to food like? Look like to food security to you know, public transport jobs what are the barriers not just for this 80% but the 6% within that who might have even greater barriers to to and, support and i
0: guess the big idea in the heart of all this is uh the importance of nuance and not drifting to polar reactive positions so for young people uh you know being able to say something and not feel that they're going to get cancelled is really important and precious, but it's something they really do fear the, 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 the idea of saying the wrong thing. So another place where this uh, plays out very publicly, and I'm going to be careful in what I say here is the intersection between uh, the gender and the trans identity discussion and feminism, not even radical feminism, just women's rights, safe spaces for women and so on. And it, it almost appears like you cannot take a moderate or nuanced yeah. position in yeah. that debate. You are either a turf yes. trans exclusionary radical feminist, um, yeah. or you are uh, the other end of the scale. You are, a, 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 you know, trans mm. right extremist mm. um, who is a, basically only interested in um, promoting the rights of trans people yeah. without really considering. But it, now there's no there's no middle ground, and the and the truth is both of those positions seem very wrong and difficult and uncomfortable because there are people on both sides of that human beings on both sides of that so intersectionality i guess is about how we learn to live in the tensions and the nuances and help others to do the
1: same Mm, and to do that not just in social media where the complete binary yes. like the most extreme of the views are presented but to say who's slightly to the right of me and who's slightly to the left of me and how can i be listening in good faith you know? so i think no that's that is really important because it can feel like we've talked about overwhelm haven't we it yeah. can feel like this is one of those areas where it feels like it's too much i can't even begin to think about this
0: yeah well is get this, rid of that for you so is this is this where your mate andrew tate becomes interesting because he he, he's one of those figures that just galvanizes people who are so overwhelmed that they decide to channel that into a kind of a uh, an anger yeah. of like, right, okay, I am just going to say all all these things are bad, yeah, and I can just take that very extreme position, and yeah. that's become quite popular.
1: It has become quite popular because the moment you have extreme views, you have people who are victims of those extreme views. So you have white boys from deprived communities who we know at the moment are just not doing well in in school. So yeah. they are being spoken to by an- Andrew Tate saying, oh, "I I know the answer. I've got certainty, and I'm going to speak up for you." And we see, and know yeah, the, the na- white nationalism in the states as well, just that kind of a sense of don't worry about just sweep all of this aside don't worry about any of that that nonsense that wokeism what what we need to do is get back to x y and z and that and and there's a danger i think that churches can can move into that space without in any way saying they agree with andrew tate or donald trump but they can move into that space of saying it when it's complicated don't worry about it. Yeah. We just need to love each other here. And we do that. We're, we're, ch- we're a family that loves each other without saying, well, what might be some of the barriers in our mm. church community mm. to some people knowing they could belong here and be here and let's be willing to see this differently and to yeah. ask questions. So I think there's going to be real food for us, for all of us in this interview. Yeah,
0: I think we need some help. We this. do need some help. So let's let's stop waffling because mm-hmm. we are not the experts. No, nope. thankfully we have someone uh, who does know a thing or two about this. So um, uh, this is uh, my interview with Joy Faulkner Uh and she's going to help us to make some sense of this big word, intersectionality. Joy Faulkner and Payo, thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, Thanks for being here. First of all, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and um, by way of introduction, your your journey through youth ministries, you've done some very interesting things.
2: Okay, yeah. So I um, have i think i've been a youth worker always i can't really remember as soon as i was a young person i was like doing bits and pieces and i like ran the christian union
0: oh wow one of those kids
2: yeah like super super enthusiastic but i mean i'm amazed i still have friends from school (laughs) (laughs) i was like really like all there all the time um like ideal youth group member um and so i um youth work was the thing that i wanted to do um i went and i wanted to take it really seriously and wanted to be as qualified as a teacher I remember saying at sort of 18-19 and so um I did um a, my youth and community work degree and then I went to oh, well, I ended up in Islington okay. um in a project called Urban Hope um where I spent nine years so I arrived and that's where is that ben ben Bell? Bell. yeah so I like so um it was like community-based youth work within a church and it was for me it was the most amazing experience and i arrived as a third year student um and spent nine years working um, in that community and still live there still go to that church so like um i like became an adult there like it's like my home home and like met my husband at the church and all of that stuff so that's like a massive part of my life and so yeah i'm still based in islington still live there and um did almost every job that you can do sort of within the sort of youth work organisation, then moved on, went for ordination. And so um, I co-directed the project for a little bit too. And that was really scary, but good. (laughs) And so I did that for a couple of years. Um, And then I like, yeah, my life shifted. And so I started to do some work with another organisation called CTC in Shadwell, East London. Um, And with them, I did some chaplaincy um, in a, it was a multi faith chaplaincy in a college with like young people, so I did that for a couple of years. And alongside that, I did some community organising with young people, which was just
0: incredible. Well, just hang on a minute, because yeah. that is one of those phrases that comes up a lot. Yes, and and it's, it's what does it actually? Mean? What is community organising? So
2: community organising is the idea that like um you can get like, grassroots like groups of people within a community together and build a team. Um, to make real structural tr- change to within your community. And that might be like figuring out how to add a zebra crossing in your area, yeah. or it might be to like go and speak to the mayor of London about the um, promises that they've made in the last election and how do we hold them accountable? Like I, <laughs> it was part of um, a march we marched on, and BT Sport to try and challenge them to give work experience to local young people. They were great at giving work experience opportunities to like the to young people who were from outside London who right. went to the right sort of schools, right. but like actual local young people, they were based in Stratford and no local young people had yeah. the opportunity to access it. That's so great. we wrote them a letter first asking them to meet us. They didn't. And so we... Got a group of young people and we went and we called a newspaper and we stood outside brilliant. and and like getting young people involved in that was just
0: what happened well, what did Sport do? They, they they panicked
2: um <laughs> they <laughs> they really panicked they came out they were uh, they were very very nice to us and also just that undercurrent of rage yeah um and then they agreed to meet with us brilliant. and by the end of the year There were work experience places for for young people that were local. So that's a lovely
0: example of really micro stuff absolutely really small local community stuff um, and yes, making change
2: and making change and like actually like um change that young people could really feel yes. were really conscious of and we also did a project in stratford shopping center where we made it um safe haven so we are we, they went around and asked shops to put up a sticker and then if something scary was happening they the sticker would be there and they knew that they could go in okay and like and the young people really led that project it was about serious youth violence and the response to that in stratford and and they really led that project themselves and that was really um powerful as well for them to go and interact with adults and they spent some time with the police and just it was wonderful wonderful that, wonderful that
0: feels like something we might return to later yes, but it's so. a really helpful uh idea to hold Absolutely. when we think about as we're going to talk about justice yes. and the powerlessness young people often feel about how to to shape justice. So this has been something that that you've maybe yeah. spent a lot of time around.
2: Yes, yes. And like it's been a, it was a massive privilege. It was a sort of accident that I got to um sort of be part of that. And like it's an amazing learning experience and there are some incredible people doing really incredible things out there. Um, and then I had a baby. So I like stopped for a bit and okay. that was a whole thing. Um, <laughs> and now um, I am working for St. Mike in the fields yes yeah.
0: and there was a bit before when you were oh. doing stuff with concrete right? oh my goodness so people may have in- interacted oh. with you there yes
2: oh my goodness concrete is really important and i can't believe that i forgot it um i worked for concrete um almost f- from the point like i started working for concrete at urban hope and sort of has been part of my working life all the way through and still is mm-hmm. so i think i'm still part of concrete um i would hope i think i am <laughs> anyway and concrete is is it well, a think tank yeah concrete is um i think it's a gathered group of people who are like who work with christians who work with young people who want to think about how to do that better sort of Mm. in a personal development kind of way in a advisory sort of way space to like um do some work together on theology a space to do some work on good practice and just gathering people together we do some stuff with the diocese both um london diocese and southwark diocese Mm -hmm. um doing some work with those um and like uh offer sort of youth advisory sort of roles as part of that but also just do our own thing um when we when we can when there's interest around whatever feels Pertinent, whatever feels important, and whatever people are saying that they need, I think we try really to respond to that. What's the best way
0: for people to connect with Concrete and find out more?
2: And probably check out the website; it's concreteonline.org, um, and you can find us and all the information about us there.
0: Great. So you're now doing a really interesting job. Yeah, you are head of youth and children's work at St. Martin's in the field which is one yes. of the most interesting churches in London yes. because it has this whole culture program and all this other stuff that goes on all the projects that go on around the congregation yeah. but there is also a worshipping congregation worshipping there so con- what, congregation. Does that, what does that look like being the youth worker there Well, it's,
2: it's a strange it's a strange thing actually it's um, there are two congregations there's um, a 10am sort of morning congregation and then there's like a, a one thirty Cantonese speaking congregation oh. Um, i don't speak cantonese and so that's like a challenge all on its own yes. um but i and i um work with both um children and young people from both congregations um it's a real gathered community so there are a group of people who are so committed that they travel from all over london to be together and um one of the things i love about it is that they are really intentional about being together. They recognize that maybe it's easy not to do the community thing because they're all from everywhere. Um, And so they put a lot of effort into doing the community bits and pieces. And so like it doesn't, on a Sunday morning, you don't feel like you're in a room full of strangers. Mm. Um, Like people do know each other. People come and stay for a very long time as well. I think the chat, like the particulars for me maybe are that there aren't, we're never going to get loads and loads of, um, children we're never going to get loads and loads of young people um there are a couple of families who stick around but um we're talking tens um, mm. and so we look it's a big church um with like lots of things going on but actually in terms of the numbers of actual families who come it's quite low because mm. it's a effort to get to. um i would struggle to get my three-year-old to, yeah, yeah, <laughs> to to central london for 10 a.m or and to be honest for 1 30 <laughs> um, <laughs> and so like every like it's uh it's it's um lots of people go to their local churches and so yeah like it's um and so there aren't loads of families around so we work with the families who do have the families of the choir um families yeah. who grandparents maybe who bring their children people who've been part of the church for a very very long time and so we're not expecting like huge numerical growth. We're not expecting loads and loads of young people. But what we, but what I think is important is um, we want St Martins to be a good place for children to grow up in. That's great. Like if you bring your family, if you are a family who have who want to be part of it and and like people do come when they're young and they they might decide to get married they get married there they start a family and then they think oh is this still for me is there still space for me and the answer is yes it is um and this is and we're thinking about you and we care about your whole family and your whole life and so we want to support you and your family with all of that and we want children and, and young people to feel like they can like, yeah, grow up as part of the church and have good memories of it as they grow up, and I like, can really grow faith there. And so that's what it's about. And so it's um, sort of different. I think everyone sort of gets that we're not going to be big, yeah. But they also really want it to be good, yeah. And
0: so it's been fun to be able to be part of that. And you know what? We're all encouraged listening to that as well. That yeah. it's not it doesn't have to be big. Yeah. You are a thinking youth worker, and so and that's part of why you've been involved in concrete. Yes. It's also why we've asked you to come on the podcast today. (laughs) And I'll be be honest with you, I'm intimidated by the topic that we're going to be talking about. Me too, if it helps. Okay, that does help. Yeah. That does help. Um, But we're going to be talking about um, the idea of how different kinds of uh, justice and injustice cross over each other Mm. and how that impacts the lives of young people, how young people and youth leaders can even think about that challenge of what we call intersectionality. So probably is a a good starting point. Can you give us a sort of a a definition of the word, help us to understand and unpack what is intersectionality?
2: Okay, so intersectionality. A lawyer in 1989 called Kimberly Crenshaw in America um, developed the term intersectionality. Um, And she was um, working on... um, an employment, employment case, employment law. And she was talking, trying to help um, people understand that the black women that she was representing weren't just experiencing sexism and they weren't just experiencing racism. They were experiencing something which was like a, a mix between the two. Mm-hmm. And so they were having a particular experience. People were trying to explain away the, their experience by saying, we, we employ we employ other black, we employ black men and like they have a, a good experience here and we employ women and they have a good experience here. And what she was trying to sort of say was there's a particular experience that these people have, these black women are having, which is different from the women and it's different from the, um, the black men. Because they're black women, so there's like a particularity, yes. and so that was where the worm term intersectionality came from. Um, I think like um, um it's re- that's it's a long time ago, nineteen eighty nine. That's a, that's a while ago.
0: That's upsetting. to yeah. think How long ago it is? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Yes. So the, the term's been around. Um, I think it's it's coming up more. It's been coming up more and more, and it's more widely used at the moment. But um. But yeah, it's, it's been around, people have been thinking about it for a long time. And, like, I guess, in the m- most simple sort of way of putting it, I guess, Kimberly Crenshaw said um, in later, sort of more recently, 2020, she said, Intersectionality is simply about how certain aspects of who you are will increase your access to the good things or your exposure to the bad things in life. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's not just about gender um, and. Um, race, um, but about disability, um, about sexuality, uh, about poverty, background, class, all of those things and how those things sort of mix together when you're a person. Yes. Um, So you're not just one thing. No one's just one thing. And and so as you sort of get the unique mix that is you, um, you are exposed to potentially particular challenges or mm. particular benefits yes. because of that mix and sort of the recognition that that makes it a little bit more complicated when we sort of try to resolve these issues yep. or respond to these issues or actually even when we're trying to acknowledge these issues are existing yes I think people really like to sort of make it into a bit of a, um, they might try and use intersectionality as like a, who's having the hardest time yeah. competition, you know? And they're like, I've got this thing going on. I've got this thing going on and I've got this thing going on and I've got this thing going on. So I'm like bottom of the pile or top of the pile, depending on however you want to, I guess, at what yes. what you're looking at, but um, that sense like i don't think it was it wasn't about that it's that it was always intended to be a lens a way of looking Mm. at a a situation and going this is more complex Mm. than perhaps we would like to admit Mm. um this is more complicated this is more difficult and there's something specific going on here so we need to listen to this person's story and we need to kind try and hear what they're saying and believe them and i think
0: that that is what
2: intersectionality brings us.
0: That's great. That's helped. That's helped me glad. understand. Um, one of the things I'm hearing there is very much about the uniqueness of the individual yes. and why it's really, re- a really, really bad idea to stereotype groups of people absolutely. and try to try to make a one size fits all solution for anything. Yes, for example, absolutely. there's there's something else that we're hearing there around the way that sometimes justices compete with each other. Is justice even a word? I don't yeah, know. But, but but justice issues mm. and um uh, and types of prejudice can uh kind of end up in a, a not a competition but uh that they don't fit alongside each other
2: yes i think well, one like all injustice is awful like it isn't um it's um it's always bad <laughs> yeah. it's always bad that like, people are having a hard time normally over something that they can't control um and so yeah injustice isn't good um I think sometimes we can forget that injustices can be compounded. Mm-hmm. So there are groups of people who are having a particularly hard time, um, um, or whose voices are like particularly not heard. Yes. And I think that's probably the thing that I find hardest is like yeah. those voices that are like, oh, they're constantly missed. Um, yes. and so like, uh, like Black disabled women's voices. Like it's like it's it's very actually it's much more difficult to hear that you have to put a bit more effort into finding them because there's so much other the noise going on. But there's a um, but there is a particular experience that is happening there. And then I guess there's the sort of desire to try and fix everything yes um as quickly as possible and so it's really neat and tidy to be like well we've solved racism in yes. our area we've we've so- solved in our organization racism is resolved and like look here are all the people who say that racism is resolved and it's like oh yes but these aren't these aren't actually all of the people yeah who are affected by this and actually like like you're your racism is like tied up in some sexism here yeah. and your racism's tied up in some ableism here and actually we need to like dismantle across the board like we can't um there's this phrase um like we can't some of us can't get free we all have to the only way to be free is for us all to get free together yep. and so we sort of have to go we are going to try and dismantle injustice across the board which is a massively overwhelming idea
0: it is a bit over and we'll get on to it over- because <laughs> over- yeah. it is because it is complicated. Yes. Um, a lot of the young people that I speak to, and this isn't this is a genuine experience that I've had. Yes. talking to young people uh, is this this fear of getting cancelled for saying the wrong thing. Yes, and a lot of this is tied up with I'm worried about speaking about yes. certain issues. So these things would often be around sexuality, gender, and race. Yes, um, which are areas where lots and lots of injustice is perpetrated. Yeah, but young people are terrified that they might say something, it might be the wrong thing. And especially with the digital age, it's all recorded somewhere. And you are going to be forever cancelled. Yes. What do you, like, how do you help young people to sort of speak up for justice without exposing them to that?
2: Well, I think I do like, I do think it's complicated. I, I think that part of it is about encouraging people to be discerning about where they have conversations, Like, you want young people to be able to have the tricky conversations and say the difficult things or, or even the like wrong things, like the cringy things, the awkward things. They're figuring out who they are. They're figuring out. What to think? They're also figuring out how to think. Like, I, like it's a, All of these things don't come naturally. We have to learn. We have to learn how to think about things. We have to learn how to discern our media. We have mm-hmm. to learn how to have our minds changed. I think well, a lot of the wow, time, right? That's a huge thing. Yeah, like we're so used to sort of being agreed with, but actually, like to learn to really listen to a different person's perspective and allow that to affect us in a way that's meaningful without losing who we are that's mm. a, i think that's a skill i mm. think that that is something that's developed over
0: time that that we can be involved in developing as you absolutely
2: leaders. and so taking those conversations
0: offline i think yeah. is really important
2: having them having them in a way that is safe um, having them regularly I think, I think it's easy to like, oh, it's October, we should do some black history stuff and maybe talk about racism here. Um, And oh, like there's like a day about women and there's a day about disability. And so we'll like engage with those things. But actually you need to be having those conversations regularly, young people are. Um, and so like, it, and and I think we need to not be afraid. I think some of the fear is from the adults. Yeah. Like they are reluctant to have the conversations in person. And so we leave young people to have the conversations amongst themselves. Like if you are privileged enough to have a group of young people who um, let you be around them <laughs> <laughs> and let you talk to them, then like have those conversations, yeah. talk about those things um, and make sure that it's safe. To make like be a person that it's safe to make mistakes around mm. um so that they can navigate it. I think um that fear of speaking out online, I think reminding young people that not everything needs to be commented on. Yeah. You don't need to respond. I like I think there are some adults and there are definitely some celebrities who need to be reminded that you don't have to say a thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to say anything. Yeah. Um, and it is normally better to wait before you respond to something to try and get as much information as you can before mm. you respond to something. Mm. And if you, and even better to like l- let a person who's having the experience respond to something like amplify someone else's voice
0: yeah yeah really good
2: rather than you sort of wading in with your opinion we don't we don't not everybody needs your opinion on everything and i think that like we can remember that and i think that it's good to let young people know they don't have to say anything
0: well i think we we do have to tell them that because there's also this voice that can come in that tells us that tells young people we need to hear from you you need to speak up about everything you need to use your voice why are you silent so so there's that yeah. as well yeah that you're having to contend with absolutely and i think that
2: that pressure to speak quickly um and to like give your response is like I do you think it's important to say stuff um, and i think if you're the right person to say stuff then you should but like Individually, um, yeah, as like yeah. groups of, of of sort of vaguely knowledgeable people, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on a so- on a topic, it's all right to wait. It's okay. There's no urgency. Like everything is still going to be there tomorrow, and everything is going to be there next week. And <laughs> yeah. um, and like w- these issues aren't going to be resolved. It's okay to take a minute. Yeah, it's okay to make sure that you say the thing that you really want to say. Yeah, um, I think the pressure to sort of be reactionary um is is high because you don't want to miss a moment. Yeah. But actually, like it like it's okay. It is okay. There are lots of people who are able doing the moment thing. You like you don't need you don't need to join in until you're ready. Yeah. And um, you might never be ready. And that is also okay. It's it's a wonderful thing. Sometimes to say nothing. It's a wonderful
0: thing to say nothing. I'll try not to take this personally, Joy. (laughs) Um, Well, one just, there's lots of gold in what you just said. One thing I just want to make sure we don't lose uh, is this idea that young people might need some help to learn how to have their minds changed. Yeah. Because that's a skill I think we've slightly lost because of the polarization of everything in society. Uh, There isn't maybe that natural tendency in anyone to like oh i could think one thing and then maybe i'll think another
2: yeah so with my toddler we talk about growing all the time so that's what we so her our thing is um she says oh i'm like i'm like this and i'm saying oh well you're growing all the time you might not be like that um tomorrow you might not be that like that next week you're changing all the time we're growing all the time and my desire for that in that is that she will know it's okay to be different later that she hasn't had to like she's not committing to her mm. favorite color or her favorite food or like her favorite tv program she's allowed to like change her mind on those things because if she can change her mind on those things then maybe she can change her mind when she hasn't holding an ad idea or a value that isn't great or or even just to be open to hear from other people you know, like, and we are all growing and changing all the time. And I think it's good to remind young people, like it's, it's completely normal to feel one way about a thing and then to get more information or different information and to change our feelings about that thing. That's like that's, that's that's a standard incredibly healthy thing. And I yeah. think that it's important. I think it's important in faith. Yeah. I think it's important in like life in general in our and our everyday interactions with people. Um like we don't have it all right. We haven't got it all sewn up. The young people particularly are growing and changing and learning all the time. We don't expect them to have got fixed answers. We don't expect them to be right hundred percent of the time and we don't expect them to be wrong hundred percent of the time. we like there's room there's room for changing
0: that's so helpful there's going to be many times in the next few weeks where i'm going to imagine you joy (laughs) speaking this over me as if i am indeed a toddler which in so many ways i am we all are growing all the time um uh, just a couple more things um just to touch on Uh, one would be um where does christian faith fit into this in terms of intersectionality in terms of the um The way that Christians can find themselves prejudiced against, Mm -hmm. or or as a Christian, where you might find yourself needing to stand up against, or you might you might feel compelled to resist something because of your faith that is is also for somebody else a justice issue in a different way. Yeah. Um. You know, where does where how do we fit Christian faith into the the mix of all this?
2: Yeah, I think my faith makes it difficult to say silent about some things yes. like it. I, I, there are some things I see in the world and I think I cannot be silent about this. I am, I am compelled by my faith to do something, to say something, um, to, to do, yeah, to respond in some way. How and what I think are probably the things yes. where it's like, okay, this is a bit more complicated. Yes. This is a little bit more, I need to be a bit more thoughtful about this. Like I like my f- faith says like it is it's not okay that people are experiencing um prejudice because of disability. It's not okay that people are experiencing discrimination because of race. It is not okay. But like, do I then need to take on disability action rights all for myself like no (laughs) like are there voices that i should be listening to yes are there people that i should be engaging with in some way yes is there money that i could give like a lot of times people need to just go have like can i can i give some financial support to an organization that's got this sewn up like i think i think two things i think one like it's okay to have limits Yep. I think that Jesus didn't Jesus didn't heal everybody he came across didn't fix every single life that he um, encountered while he was walking on the earth. There's that is that really diff- I think it's a tricky story. It's a really tricky story in Matthew fifteen, isn't there, about um, the Canaanite woman who's like, "Can you heal my daughter?" And Jesus is like, "I'm not really here for you. I'm here yeah. to heal the Israelites." Yeah. And there's something about um, Jesus being in human form, like bound um, to a time and a place, that m- means that he he's physically unable to do all of it can't yeah, of fix course. the whole world as, as a person and like how much more so then do we can we just exhale a little bit and go i can have a boundary
0: that's helpful
2: um i can i I can't do all of the things i'm not going to be able to fix the whole world i'm just a person in a particular time at a particular pace mm. and i can say i can't do all of this mm. i think also that we are required to keep our hearts soft to do what it takes to not become callous or desensitized and that might mean that might mean like taking yourself off of social media a little bit or like not engaging with stuff that um like I can't watch the news too much the visuals um aren't great for me I sort of like in order to I sort of just get sort of a bit blasé about it. And like, you just shouldn't be blasé about some of the stuff that we're seeing. Like, and, But like watching it every night can do that. And so I try not to. I like to try and engage with news in different ways. And I think there's something about that. I think there's like, do what it takes to, to remain moved, to yes. allow God to move you, to be moved by the challenges and the injustices that we see in the world. Mm. And then I think it's to to sort of say, God is God. And I am not God. And so I will bring these things to God and ask God to hold them. And then I will join in with my bit as best as I can. But trust that this is ongoing mm. like that god is god is doing god's thing and that all will be well eventually mm. like and, and that like the promises is, is that there will be justice the yeah. promises that there will be rightness and we can just join in there's um this book i read um about about how um how the slaves um in the american sort of transatlantic slave trade have, at the beginning of that social justice movement um to sort of to fix some of that stuff, there was like three generations before the end of it. Yeah. Like like you people didn't see it in their lifetime, but people didn't see it in their grandparents' lifetime or yeah. their great grandparents' lifetime. But it didn't mean that it wasn't right to start. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like course. you have to you just have to do your bit and it's like, and it can be exhausting and it can be draining and you can, you know, wonder if God is in it at all. But like actually like there are ends to things. Like things do change. Like God is working towards justice. There's that beautiful Desmond Tutu um quote about the earth um, the history of
0: the arc of history,
2: yeah, the arc of history being curved towards justice, and I, like, yeah, like it is. I think that I think there's truth in that, yeah. and so like we don't despair, and we don't do it alone. We don't do it all in our own power. Cole Arthur Riley, who is a African American writer that I love, she's incredible, Um she um, does this thing on Instagram called Black Liturgies, and she was she wrote just actually she posted just a few days ago. Um, no individual can resist despair on their own we steady each other we can't afford despair Um, and then an inhale and an exhale so she like invites us to to like hold some phrases Mm -hmm. and the invitation is to inhale this is too much to hold and exhale so we hold it together Mm -hmm. like it's not you on your own. It's not mm-hmm. a young person on their own. And like, I think young people really do feel the weight of having to fix everything by themselves. But there's something about saying, like, you are not God. God is God. And um, you don't have to do it all by yourself. Mm-hmm. Like we can do this together. And when you're tired, it's okay. Someone else will have the energy. And when you're energized, you can bring some tired people along with you. Mm-hmm. And that is good. Like we're not supposed to try and do this by ourselves.
0: Now, I think some of what you've said kind of begins to answer the last thing that I want to talk to you about. Um, but I think it's worth just naming this because I I wonder if people listening will be, hmm. will just have this in their heads. Um, but, but a lot of people... Um, myself included get quite stressed out by the mm. complexity of this and the intersection of different kinds of justice. Um, and what ends up sometimes happening is you you retreat into a, a a bit of a position at one or one or other pole. Yeah. So at one pole. Everything just becomes wokeness and political correctness and uh, we can't, you know, no one's ever happy, you know, and you start watching, you know, certain TV news stations. So it's easier to do that. So why do you why do you think it is worth um, embracing complex nuance?
2: Firstly, because we are complex nuance. Like you can't engage with a person without engaging with complex nuance. Like we're not straightforward. Like people are changing all the time. Things are growing all the time. Like, so we have a person in front of us. And if we are to fully engage with them, we've got to recognize that it's not straightforward. There is no black and white in a person. Right. So there's that. (laughs) Um, I also just think that if we can like exhale and go, this is, this is, Difficult, but it's worth going deeper with. Mm. We have a, a better quality of conversation, and um, I think it's easier to access more compassion. I think it's easier to be more compassionate and more empathetic. Um, I think it's where I think complex, like paying attention to complex nuance, is like actually loving a person, mm. saying I see all of you, and yeah. I am prepared to engage with that. That's where that's where love lives. I think, yeah, and great. so we don't need to um like the temptation is to go i understand and i'm against it or i understand it and i'm totally for it but actually like to go like actually i I, i'm never going to understand all of you and you're never going to understand all of me and i'm never going to understand all of me Mm. like i am a complex and like i am a mystery even to myself Mm. Um, and there's something divine about that you know there's like something god of god like hidden in like we don't fully understand each other and so let's let's but like, let's do, let's do our best to like, allow the complexity, um, the mystery of another person's story, like challenge us, move us, um, help us think differently, help us to see differently. And like, and, and for me, I think it's worthwhile because when we do this, we see more of God, Mm -hmm. like God's individual revelation to people like you know god meeting people and us me hearing god's individual revelation to you yes widening my understanding of what god
0: well this is another desmond tutu quote (laughs) right yes the the you know everybody everybody i meet is going to teach me something else about god
2: absolutely exactly everyone and so and so like if we can have the nuanced conversation then actually i can allow you to teach me something i didn't know about god already and my understanding of god gets wider And wider and wider. And why wouldn't we want that?
0: I love it. Joy, this has been one of my favourite YouthScape podcast interviews ever. <laughs> and I have Thanks. this mantra for life now. We're all still growing. Yes. Still growing.
2: Yeah. All still growing. Thank all still you. changing.
0: Thank you for coming on the podcast.
2: Good. Thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: I'm currently, reading, I've never read it all the way through. This is a book I've dipped into, and I feel like if you don't know about this book, it's like the secret tool the secret source that all preachers should like mm. steal from because it is amazing. This is like Rob Bell before Rob Bell was Rob Bell. This is like finding the amazing secrets in the Bible that you didn't know were there. Um, so Dan Brown, is it? No, it's not, Dan Brown. <laughs> <laughs> that might be your best. Best joke of Let the season. There we go. We was. promised
1: some jokes.
0: Uh, no, so that um, it's Kenneth Bailey, Kenneth E. Bailey's uh, Jesus through Middle Eastern Eyes.
1: It's a boring book cover. I mean, you it would walk does past not look it like a good book on a on a St. Andrew's Bookshop, wouldn't you? It
0: is. It's amazing. Unbelievable. It is unbelievable. It's, it's essentially get, bringing back the Middle Eastern context into which the cultural context into which particularly the New Testament was mm. written, and so it's just it's just about you know who Jesus would have actually been and and how the things Jesus was saying would have been received in those times. And it's fascinating. There's literally gold on every page. Yeah. There's actually quite a good audio book version as well just putting that out there. He's a
1: he's a masterful linguist. So you he get is. really deep dive on epistemology. But he's so also he's good. lived in the Middle East for 30 yeah, years, isn't he? that's
0: right. It's extraordinary. And the best thing about this book is at the end of they are quite short chapters and at the end of each chapter there's bullet points that says I basically preach them <laughs> this sums up what I'm saying in this chapter. Yeah, you'll recognize lots of my talks. <laughs> anyway, where am I going with this? Well, I think we were talking earlier about the 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 fact that in the inability to really engage with the complexity and the nuance of this can drive us to an extreme. Now, one mm. of those extreme positions is the Andrew Tate position of like, mm. we just basically, we were standing against the woke left mm. and all of this newfangled ism stuff is a load of rubbish. Um, the other extreme position you can take is a sort of social justice warrior for its own sake thing <laughs> where you, you just any, if there's any justice issue, Without yeah, on really it, yeah. thinking about how they combat or, or intersect with each other. Um, you know, I'm on it and I'm yeah. going to talk. And that's much more about your own identity and how you appear on the outside than it is really about taking yeah. time to and engage. And
1: Jesus is on it. That's the, yeah. that's the extreme thing, isn't it? Not just I'm on it, but this is actually what Jesus was all about. Yeah. This one injustice. But
0: you can, when you interrogate that and push it, push mm. back on it, quite often there's not a lot of substance mm. behind mm. it. And I just wanted to, what struck me was, how different that approach to justice is from um, what Kenneth Bailey describes in uh, his dissection of the Beatitudes and he um, he particularly talks about Jesus's line in Matthew blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness mm. and he just puts that in the context of the time in a way that I had never, never thought about and i thought it was beautiful and so i thought i would share it with you so that you know that i read at least one book a year (laughs) and so um what he points out is that in that time hunger and thirst would have been felt very differently so we now live in a world where you're never really thirsty you might be like oh i'm I'm gasping for a drink you know you've Mm -hmm. been for a run you need a glass of water or oh, i'm hungry but in a world where you didn't have high-speed travel and you were often moving between villages across deserts and plains and you know where there was huge gaps and long travel times between different parts of the middle east hunger and thirst was real in a completely different way so apart from those that were caught in you know poverty mm. there were also just the the reality of travelers who didn't have enough water to make it from one town to another mm. and so thirst as it would have been known in in jesus's time would have been that sense of your your body shutting down of you being so dry in the mouth in such agonizing pain that you can't even eat because there's no moisture in your in your saliva to be able to help you process mm. food literally feeling on the edge of death with thirst feeling like you are you know in agony you're the pit of your stomach with with hunger now that, hunger and thirst, when you, when you hear that as the uh, as the explanation for hunger and thirst for righteousness, that's what Jesus means. That absolute gut ache, that feeling that you're going to die if you don't see justice done. That's what Jesus is saying. Mm-hmm. It's those people, those mm-hmm. are the people that are blessed. And that's what I think Jesus is calling us to, mm-hmm. like agonizing engagement, real engagement. We're like, I've got to see justice done because that is God's, that's God's will. That's God's way. Not, um, I'm not sort of, you know, I think I do need to look good. I do need to appear yeah. great on social media. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I thought it was helpful.
1: Yeah. Cause it's internal yeah. first as opposed to external, isn't it? And righteousness inner a goodness. So there's an implicit, you see in my heart, God, this starts with me, yeah. like the humbling of the heart as opposed to the contempt. Yeah. That's fascinating. If you think about the Zacchaeus story, that's the one that I read more recently, how that's played out. Jesus um, doesn't play to the crowds or to anybody how he thinks it should go down. So Mm -hmm. he starts off listening to the crowd, knowing fully what's going on. And and they would have been convinced that Jesus would be on their side, that Jesus had to distance himself from Zacchaeus. It would have been the justice thing to do. Zacchaeus represents everything that is about the oppression. But he doesn't. But he also doesn't then say, Zacchaeus, everything is fine. It's absolutely. Brilliant. So it's just like a really interesting that mm. how Jesus responds, his inner goodness, how that plays out is not clear cut. He doesn't take sides. He takes a side of God's mm. kingdom mm. coming, doesn't mm. he? And I think there will be times where that, th- I I love that challenge. I'm just thinking, Martin, there'll be times when our deep thirst for God's goodness, God's kingdom, God's righteousness will put us on the right side of history. Yeah. And on the right, and other times it'll be on the wrong side of history. Yeah. And actually that will not, that in the end, that's not, that's not the guiding principle is am I prepared to hunger for what's right, whether I'm with the flow or against it is just such a challenge because yeah. there's a euphoria that comes from other people thinking you've done the right thing and you've been the justice yeah. for it. Of course yeah. there
0: is. Or, or in just, in just picking a poll and saying, right, I'm going to be, anti. I'm going to be fully anti yeah. and I'm going to know what I believe. I'm going to stand for that. I'm going to shut my ears and yeah. i'm not i'm not inch i'm no longer hungry or thirsty for justice i i'm actually just desperate to be right yeah. and to be certain and to be able to wear this hat or this t-shirt and now i'm i'm defined by that sort of i'm i'm that person yeah. and that's not the way of jesus
1: is it is interesting the way lots of these discussions go that that what is what it, what people present as up for grabs is the personhood of somebody. So mm. like you are trying to cancel their right to exist type thing. It could be cross gender or sexuality or anything. Um, but the way then the argument is played out is deeply dehumanizing, isn't mm. it? For, for the, to, to get the right, Outcome. We want to then dehumanize another group of people who we don't agree. So there is a real tension here, isn't it? So I think you're right to bring Kenneth Bailey into the fold of this conversation because actually there's an anchor there, isn't right. there, in scripts that anchors us in something that stops us from maybe sort of unraveling about yeah. the things that we feel deeply passionate about yep. and yep. emotional about. But we want to see justice, and there is so much injustice.
0: And that's part of this crazy, complicated future that we are oh, yeah. ho- hoping to um, help young people um, navigate wisely. So, um, so look, hopefully that is a helpful way into a very complicated word, if not subject. And it's really important to say that, you know, as much as we are, um, we're saying there needs to be nuance. There needs to be, mm. you know, we need to understand the relationship between these justice issues. I think every issue that we've named, every justice issue that we've named, we, we do believe that it, these are really important yes. things that we care passionately yeah, about, and uh, and we think you should be addressing these things with young people. So the answer is not sort of a sense of not feeling like you can talk about anything. Yeah, um, definitely, but but maybe a little bit more nuance. One area that um, we've created a resource to help you navigate is uh, racism. We've created a new resource at Youthscape called ARC Anti Racism Conversations. It's a box of resources to work through with young people games and uh, sessions uh, it's designed to be youth led and youth driven so uh young people can sort of self-guide their journey through the subject um, but it's designed to help young people do three things first of all spot and stop where racism is happening in their lives and around them, uh, then look and listen. So it's based on traffic lights. You might pick that up. Look and listen and try and understand a bit more of um, the deeper context and the story of racism in our culture and society around the world. And then finally, the green is go. So it's go and do something different, make a change and become anti-racist. And we're really excited about this resource. We've developed it with a, a huge team and panel of people. It took uh, over two years to actually Actually, um come into development and it's available on the youthscape store so check it out youthscape.co.uk forward slash store uh we are going to be continuing to delve yes. into this uh uncertain territory of the future in our next episode but for now goodbye lovely ones The light of... Uh, no, let me do it again. I'm sorry, because I had something else I want to say first. Sorry, Dave. Really sorry, Dave. One.